Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. Today, I can't be more excited to have with me my friend, Priscilla Arcandel. Priscilla and I met sometime last year in the middle of the pandemic to talk about her new book, Leader Vantage, Seven Essential Steps to Peak Leadership. At the time, she was finishing writing the book, and today the book is out on the world. And I can't wait for you to listen to my conversation with Priscilla and for you to grab a copy of her new book. If you want to grab a copy, go to the notes on the description of this podcast episode for the link. And now let's dig in into today's podcast episode. Welcome to the Leading Yourself podcast. This is your host, Carolina de Arriba. I'm an HR professional, health and fitness coach, wife, mom, and above all things, a goal getter. In this podcast, we're going to be digging into all things leadership, professional and career development, habits, and relationships. This is a podcast for those who want to become the best version of themselves, those who have big dreams and are willing to embrace the journey and put in the work to achieve them. My goal is to share with you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you in your journey. So let's dig in into today's episode. Welcome everyone again to the Leading Yourself podcast. Today I am here with a very special guest, uh, Priscilla Arcangel. She is a friend that we actually met through Inforum and I want to take this opportunity to shout out to Inforum because it's what an amazing network, what an amazing mission they have. They're the only professional organization in Michigan and one of the few in the country that combines both the strategic connections, which Priscilla happens to be one of those for me, the proven professional development programs and a respected forum for new ideas and original research to accelerate the careers of women and boost talent initiatives for companies. So, um, you know, it's it's been a great pleasure to be part of Inforum and I'm so grateful because it's that is through Inforum that we get to met. And now we are here to talk about a lot of interesting things and some surprises. But before we jump in, uh, for those in the audience that maybe don't know you, Priscilla, can you give us a brief introduction? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on your, your podcast, Carolina. Uh, I have admired your work uh, in, in leadership, and it's uh, great to know you and to continue our friendship and our relationship. Uh, my focus is all about developing successful leaders. And I have about 37, going on 38 years of experience and practice and, and growth in it. And it'll continue to grow for, for many years after that. But I got started first of all uh, at General Motors where I spent the first 30 years of my career in a variety of global executive human resources and organizational development roles. And uh, along the way, I developed a passion for leadership. And, and by that, I mean, I, I would watch leaders and I saw some leaders who effortlessly were great at what they did and others who worked hard uh, to develop their leadership skills and become good leaders. And then others who struggled, quite frankly, to be good leaders and qu never quite attained it to the level that 
they might have desired. And it just piqued my interest. And uh, one, of the, one, of my, uh, one of my things is, is understanding your passion. And so I discovered that leadership was my passion. And so as a result, uh, even though I already had a master's degree, I went on and got a PhD in human and organizational development, but with a focus on leadership. And the point was to continue my study of leaders, um, how they cast vision, how they cast mission, how they understand their purpose, how they lead teams effectively, how they get results in their organization. And so for the past 22 years, I guess, since I've completed my PhD and, and, and even going forward, uh, I continue to work with leaders to help them grow and develop. So I retired from my first career uh, seven years ago and then started my second career as a leadership development consultant where I coach, uh, provide executive coaching to leaders. I consult with leadership teams on topics to uh, improve their team building, improve their performance as a leadership team. I facilitate leadership training. I do speaking and writing about leadership. So that's where I am today. And this is really the best part of my career. Um, I, I now look at the 30 years in corporate life as the foundation, giving me the experience to be able to do what I do now. Wow, that is just amazing. What an amazing trajectory and you know, just the impact that you're making. Um, as I said, we, we met in Inforum and I, I, the first time we met, I think you were the speaker on an event and I was like, yes. wow, I need to connect with Priscilla because it was, it was so inspiring. And you can tell how you just mentioned those 30 years where you're a foundation and you can see that when you're speaking, you know, there's people that stay very theoretical in what they're talking, but you really can combine that theory with your experience. And when I talk about experience, not just what you did in your career, but also what you mentioned, all what you were observing and paying attention to the people around you and um, such an inspiration. Yeah. I'm so grateful that we got the opportunity to talk today and have you in the podcast because I think um, your story, your background is so inspiring. Great. Thank you, Carolina. You know, that, that brings to mind uh, one of my uh, points of how I try to approach all my work. And that is, I love learning theory um, and understanding theory, but to me, theory is nothing without practical application. And so um, I always try to find ways for practical application of what I'm helping my clients to learn. Um, I, I learned that part in part through my doctoral program and also in great part because I was applying it in my work every day. And so I always try to help people focus on not only what are you learning, but how can you apply it to your work and give them some practice because that's what builds that strength. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they used to say that knowledge was power, but now we know that it's applied knowledge, that's which right. is the power. Without the application, there is no growth. Um, and, and that's one thing that, um, you know, I think you really exemplify in, even when you're communicating to others, you always have that call to action and making sure it's applicable mm -hmm. and it's actionable uh, in order to see that transformation and that growth. Mm -hmm. um, which is amazing. And talking about your work with, with customers, 
you touch a little bit on this, but can you expand a little bit of what type of work you do with, with leaders when you engage and um, with leaders around all different companies or teams? Sure. Sure. One of the, one of the reasons that leadership teams typically call me in is that the executive team or some senior leadership team, they, they're not working together as effectively as they could. Um, they need to um, align around goals or values or how they're going to operate. And, and, and sometimes it's just manifested as things feel bumpy or things don't feel comfortable or uh, people are not understanding what is expected of them in the way that they need to. So what I, what I come in and do is first, quite honestly, I'll uh, take an organizational assessment. I'll talk with the key people involved. I'll find out how they are defining the situation or the issue. I'll find out what their uh, difficult points are, what their pinch points are, what their troubled spots are. And then I begin to get a picture of what's going on with that particular team and can begin to identify how we need to move forward. Often uh, one of the missing elements is really very basic and foundational and that is trust, okay? The, the members of the, the leadership team, they have not built relationships with one another such that they feel a good sense of trust that they can rely on one another, that they're gonna be supportive of one another. And so we'll take some steps to try to build trust. And one of the ways of building that is getting to know one another better, all right? So I might use a variety of self-assessments that will help each one of them understand themselves, be more self-aware, and then have them share that information with the group in a constructive way so that I'll get to know you better, Carolina. So uh, let's say if we're in a team together, I'll get to know you better. I'll get to know maybe what your underlying values are or what motivates you or what drives you. And you'll get to understand the same thing about me. And the point is, once I understand that about you, I'll know how to relate to you better. I'll know how to interact with you better. Um, I'll know uh, how we can work together on projects more effectively. Um, another uh, important element is understanding how to manage conflict in leadership teams. You know, so many people are either conflict averse or they're so competitive that it's always a, I've got to win at the expense of you losing. But how do we set it up so that we both win? Because if we're both not winning, then the whole organization isn't winning. There's, there's always some, some loss there. And we've got to have a win-win solution. So uh, conflict is, is often uh, a, a topic. Um, another topic might be how we make decisions, not just who has decision rights, but how do we include everyone and the diverse perspectives in the decision-making process? Because everyone comes to the table with some value uh, to bring to bear on the decision that's being made. And so how do we make sure that we are inclusively listening to everyone and gaining and respecting that value before we come to the right decision? So those are just some examples of the, the consulting. And then of course, some facilitation of leadership training can follow from it. Um, what are the most important leadership capabilities that people need to learn in your organization? Um, emotional intelligence is a huge one there that starts with self-awareness um, and uh, self-management and social management and relationship management. So 
that's just a little bit of it there. Yeah. And what I love is that these are timeless leadership skills and principles um, that apply no matter what team you're working with or what leader. Now, let me ask you this. Now we are in the middle of a pandemic, hopefully yes. past the middle point of the pandemic, hope. uh, hopefully. But how do you see this leadership skills and principles changing, if any at all, as a result of, of COVID-19? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Uh, we're probably six or seven months into it right now. And I, the, the biggest thing, the biggest issue I've seen is how well do leaders know how to lead through a crisis? And so I think COVID exposed a lot of weaknesses in systems and processes. And one of those is uh, weaknesses in leadership capabilities. Because for leaders who were not skilled and capable, uh, it came forward in terms of how well their team was engaged. Uh, people who were you know, suddenly forced to work from home, and you know, on one hand, it's what we all want, thought we wanted to do for a long, long time, but now being forced to and you know, juggling uh, home responsibilities, family in, in very, very different ways, and trying to connect with your peers trying to understand what's going on uh, in, in your workplace or in your business. One of the biggest things that I have told leaders time and time and time and time and time again throughout COVID is the importance of communicating with your teams. The simple questions like, how are you doing? What's going on? It's not even necessarily about the business topics, but just showing a genuine interest in your team members and the challenges that they're going through because emotions are, emotions have been huge throughout all of this uh, in terms of how everyone's handling their, their, the shift in their lives differently. And so not that leaders have to be psychologists, but they just have to show that they care and maybe point people to resources that the company offers and give them, give their team members a, a, a little slack, a, a little room to just you know that you don't have to be perfect in everything you do because we're all juggling this and responding differently. So that communication and leading through a crisis is huge right now. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think, you know, I get this question asked a lot mm -hmm. and I'm trying to think through it and I'm like, it's not like new skills are emerging, are the same that they're always been important. Mm -hmm. Now they're just more important than they were ever being, right? Those foundational things, all the things that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And what what I've seen, and I, I like to hear what your opinion is, but I think that we were seeing a lot of tendencies in terms of the skills or in terms even of ways mm -hmm. of working like teleworking, you know, telecommuting, um, that all companies were aiming towards that as a goal, right? Mm -hmm. We want to focus on emotional intelligence has been a big topic in the last years. Yeah. Uh, we want to be more flexible. We want to do all these things. And all of a sudden we are forced to mm -hmm. use and put in practice all those things. So I think that as much as there's a lot of negative impacts from COVID, right? We, we, we can omit that. I think there's been a lot of positives also, I think that it has accelerated at all of these things that have taken us years to get to where we are. And now we're exponentially improving in certain areas and changing our mindsets. Um, 
and forcing us really to adopt some of these things that we were aiming to get, but because they were not urgent, because there was not an immediate need, we yeah. were pushing out because the day-to-day -to -day took over, right? And now really we had the time. You know, for me, um, empathy has been one of the yes. things that I yeah. hope is one of the things we take from COVID uh, and we take with us afterwards, right? Uh, managing emotions, I think we learn a lot about that. And, and what you said that everyone is going through this differently. That's right. And it makes it so much complex, but it has forced us to put ourselves out of our comfort zone. And as they say, that is where growth really happens. And the last thing um, for me that has been really key with, with COVID as well is vulnerability. I think for me, vulnerability is a superpower for leaders. And we're always so afraid of being vulnerable because we think it's a sign of weakness. And personally, um, I had no other way. Like I was forced to be vulnerable because I could not hide the stress and the anxiety and all these things for the situation. And I decided to be very open with my team and very vulnerable. And going through that experience, it showed me that being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness. It's totally the opposite. It's a strength and it's giving your team more strength to That's go right. through what we're going through. What, what are your thoughts on Sam? I know I'm rambling about a lot of things, but. No, that, that is, you are absolutely right. You probably found that once you were vulnerable with your team, you engage and connected with them even more. And it wasn't so much that they had to have the exact same challenges as you, but it was you just being real with them. And they knew that they at least had equal challenges and they felt that you were supportive and understanding with them. You know, back in the day, some decades ago, when I was, I'll say, growing up in my career, it was you had to, you know, have this image and, you know, and, and even now we talk about leadership presence mm -hmm. and executive presence and, and we talk about how, you know, it's important to be all put together and everything like that. But the reality is that we are all struggling in ways here and there with things. And it's much better to admit our struggle and then be able to move through it than to in some way deny it even exists. I'll give you a little story. Um, and there's probably a couple versions of it. One is three and a half years ago, my husband was in the hospital because he needed a heart transplant. Now, he, his health had been going downhill for a number of years, and it just finally got to the point where it was bad enough where they said, boom, we're you know going to evaluate you and put you on the transplant list. And so the good news is he was able to, in a short period of time, get a transplant and, and, and we're so thankful for his donor's family for that. But he was able to get a heart transplant, but it was still, he was in the hospital for 10 weeks. And, you know, the bottom line is you never quite know what's going to happen. And I had to be strong, okay? And it was only about six months later, I was in the middle of a meeting with a client and I just burst into tears. And the good news is it was a safe space. You know, they were very supportive, but something it hit me, something hit my memory. And I was just, you know, unloading all that emotion that I felt I couldn't at the time. And the, but the only reason I felt I couldn't was because I was trying to be strong for my husband, you know? Right. 
um, a year later, a dear friend of mine passed away. And it was kind of like the same thing, just all the emotion flooding me. And that, that time I was able to, I kind of set some work aside and only later remembered some things that I had missed and forgotten. But being, just being able to talk about this is happening and I just need time. Um, I just need to take a break. I need to address the emotions and, and it's being self-aware of those emotions, first of all, so that you can appropriately deal with them. And then, yeah, be vulnerable, be transparent. And everybody's going through something. That's the point. People will understand because everybody's going through something. Right. And it's much better to just talk about it. Yes. Well, I can't agree more. Um, and I'm so glad that your husband's story had a happy ending at the end because I can only imagine the pressure. And as you said, a lot of times we impose additional pressure on us that is not really there just because we're afraid of what others might think of us. Or as you said, how are we going to perpetuate our image in front of others? Um, and at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? And we all go through things. We all... Um, Okay, so oh. so one of the reasons why um, I invited you to my podcast is because you are writing a new book. Tell me more about this book. Yes, I am so excited. My book is called Leader Vantage, Seven Essential Steps to Peak Leadership. And it really walks you through seven keys that I have found that are important for good leadership. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of the background uh, around it. And that is, uh, I put together every month, I send out kind of a leadership insight to my followers. And I finally sat down and, and kind of gathered all the things that I've been writing for several years. And I, I discovered a pattern of the topics that I've been writing about and how they all fit together. And they really revolve around seven different steps. Purpose, perspective, values, traits, behaviors, tools, and ideas. And so I look at these as the seven essential steps to peak leadership for, to give you really a leadership advantage. So that's leader vantage. So would, would you like to hear a little bit more about? Yes, please. I'm like, I'm listening and I'm like, okay, tell me more. Tell me good, more. Good, good, good. All right. So let's talk about leadership purpose. And I love, I love the thought of purpose because purpose to me is the driver for every, it should be the driver for everything we do. So the leadership purpose is the why behind an individual's leadership. And that, in that context, leaders need clarity on why they're in their roles, what they're passionate about accomplishing, and how their leadership is going to make a difference. And when leaders understand their purpose, that helps them make all the right decisions about how they go forward and lead and the decisions that they make. And it really transcends uh, organizations or environments where they apply their capabilities, but it keeps you focused on why I'm here and what I'm supposed to accomplish. Then there's leadership perspective. And that's kind of a foundational viewpoint that helps guides leaders' decisions. And it drives how they think about, how they approach work, and how they relate to their colleagues. And you know, leadership perspective is 
is evolving over a period of time as you gain experience in your career and and also understand the you uh, it's it's about your self-awareness and understanding your own perspectives then there's leadership values and that's the principles and standards that support constructive leadership um, they're the foundational beliefs about what is important as you lead then there's leadership traits those are distinguishing characteristics, many of which are rooted in your emotional intelligence and self-awareness of how you're perceived by others. And that takes you to leadership behaviors, which are your actions and your attitudes. And then leadership tools are techniques, tips, and strategies that equip leaders to enhance their effectiveness. And then the ideas are the basis for pursuing your goals, particularly goals that might be beyond what you think are your current capabilities yet they're fueled by your passions. So those are the seven essential steps. Oh my God, I told you that I can't wait for your book to come out, but now I'm even more inspired to read this book. Um, as I'm listening to you, I'm building a model in my head. Did you have a model behind these seven behaviors? So or how so did you came about the three, the seven mm -hmm. essential steps and why, why did you put them in the order that you put them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I do love models and, but sometimes the model comes first and other times you do something. And when you think about what you've done and you analyze it, then the model comes to you. So for me, it was the latter. Okay. okay. For me, it was, and I get my, I get my insights every you know, every day, every week, every month, just as I work with leaders, as I read articles and things like that, I get insights about leadership that I then write about. And I love to connect um, my models in, in each writing with a story, a, a realistic story, okay? And so the book is really a collection for these seven steps. There are 50 uh, chapters that are categorized in those seven steps, all right? And so, the 50 chapters represent my, you know, 50 of my writings over the past several years. And each chapter is maybe three or four pages long. So it's an easy read. It's really designed to don't read more than one chapter a day because you will be encouraged to think about what you've read and think about how you need to apply what you've read. So again, Love it. only one chapter a day. But after I had written all of this and after I put it together, I said, you know, what is this telling me? And I realized that these were the seven themes in all the things that I've been writing that were again, a manifestation of the things I'd been experiencing and working with clients on. Yeah, it's, oh my God, I can't wait to read this book. Mm -hmm. So talking about that, when are we gonna be able to get yes. a handle of this book? Yes, yes. So because we're in a COVID inspired moment, <laughs> And because you know there are things that we thought we could control but can't control, uh, I'm expecting that it's going to be out by the end of October or early November sometime. I'll be putting it on my website uh, for all of those who are following me. I'll be posting it on social media and emailing it to everyone. It will be available on Amazon, um, both hard copy and uh, Kindle version. And if someone wants a 
uh, author signed hard copy. You can also buy it from my website. I will sign all copies that I sell from my website. And so this is exciting. So this is my second book. The first book I, I really published 10 years ago. Time flies when you're having fun. Wow. Yeah. And so my first book is, is uh, named The Call to Faith-Centered Leadership, Transformational Lessons for Leaders in Challenging Times. And I will tell you, um, and, and so that's a, a faith-based book on leadership. And I will tell you, as I was writing that book, um, some of the things that I was writing, I said, well, you know, we're in tough times now. And I was probably writing it around the mid to late 2000s. We're in tough times now, but things will improve. Things will get better. This book might not, might not even be relevant. Oh my goodness. Now, if anything, we're in more challenging times than I could have ever, ever, ever imagined. So that makes the content of that uh, piece of piece of work uh, much more relevant now. But you know, to, to the point of writing too, it's an expression of um, my passion. Uh, it's, it's, it, if I couldn't write, it's kind of like breathing to me now because it's, it's wow. my way of just putting down on paper thoughts, feelings, and ways to really touch people and connect with them and help them in certain ways. Yeah, that, I mean, certainly you have been an inspiration for me. Um, I read your first book and I was gonna say exactly the same looks like you had a crystal ball and you knew that COVID was coming because oh my that goodness. book is, it, you know, it, and we are pre-recording this episode. So the goal is that we publish it once your second book is out in the Great. world. So we Great. will make sure that in the description of this episode, we have the link to both books because Wonderful. I think, you know, your first book is like it was written for the time that we're living today yeah and as i said i can't wait to read your second book um because it sounds like you have consolidated in this book all what you've learned about leadership over your career mm -hmm. in a way that what i love about it is what you said is intended for you to read one chapter a day and then go and reflect, mm -hmm. do some self-awareness and go ahead and apply it. That's for me, that's the best way to learn and absorb a book. You know, a lot of times we talk about, um, I've read 10 books, 50 books. And I always say, you know, I read two, but I applied what I learned in both of them. That's right. That's right. Um, You're right. This is not speed reading. And you know, sometimes I wish I could be a speed reader, but these are not speed reading books. This is read a little bit, think about it and apply it. Just what you said. That, that will make me the happiest if you can find ways to apply it. And talking about learning um, and switching a little bit topics here, mm -hmm. but from your perspective, what is one of the biggest learning opportunities that you see with leaders? Probably self-awareness and that means understanding who you are understanding your purpose understanding the areas that you are most capable in understanding the things that you don't like to do and therefore don't do well understanding how your brain works it's 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 funny i was uh i got up this morning and you know i went out and you know i drug myself out for my morning jog jog slash walk and I was feeling tired and lethargic but 
but I know that my morning time is, you know, that's when I think deeply, that's when I get my ideas, that's when I get my mind set for the day, that's when I do my work on me so that I can then bring my whole self much more better to the work I perform. But that's also part of my self-awareness, understanding what my morning needs to be like in order to be most productive during the day. So those, those self-awareness uh, moments and times are hugely important for leaders because if you don't understand yourself and how you operate and how you uh, excel and how you need to prepare yourself to give to others around you, then everything else is, if I can say discombobulated, okay? Yeah. Your days can be confusing. Your days can be unproductive. They can be frustrating. You can be frustrating the people around you, okay? but you have to start out with self-awareness overall and every day get up and do what you, whatever you need to do for your personality to make your day productive. Yeah, oh my God, I love this because I'm all about starting your day right. You know, morning routine is a big thing for me. Um, it's one thing that I consistently do every day and it sets me for a successful day. That's right. Um, so I, I, I love it. When we talk about self-awareness, though, I think it's a tough one because if you have self-awareness, right, if you have shortcomings in any area, it's easy for you to focus on those areas. The problem with not having self-awareness is that you don't know what you don't know. So if someone is listening right now and they're saying, okay, maybe self-awareness is something that I need to uh, focus on where can someone start by building self-awareness? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. There's a, there's a couple of different uh, angles you can use. One is, you know, talk to people who know you and love you and who you trust and listen to what they say about who you are. I'll, I'll mute my phone now, okay. Listen to, listen to what they say about who you are and what your style is. Uh, another is, uh, and I, I love assessments too. Take some assessments. And so I think I love things like Myers-Briggs and DISC and uh, Strengths Finders. Take those assessments. And, and so one of the things I've done is I, I took a bunch of them and I kind of cross-triangulated what are all the similarities that I'm seeing. And then I put that together into this is my profile. And then I looked at it and I laughed and said, yeah, that's me, that's who I am, okay? Mm -hmm. But it gave me some good, as long as I'm answering the questions honestly, it gave me some good feedback on you know, what my style is, what my approach is. And, and then I even shared that feedback with, again, some people who know me and love me and said, you know, what do you think about what this is? And then they laughed and said, yeah, and gave me some more examples of how that uh, exemplified who I am. And then quite honestly, we all need to find our alone time where Very we, important. we can think deeply. And I, and some, you know, I'm a, I'm a mild introvert. Some of you extroverts may, may hear that and say, Oh no, I've got to always be with people, but you got to find your quiet time to think and reflect on what's important to me. Um, what do I value most? When am I happiest? Okay. When am I most uh, sad? Um, what, what, what gives me joy in life? It's, it's getting in touch with who you are and what elicits positive emotions for you, okay? 
and write that down. And, and even write down when you recognize those things that, you know, I'll, I'll use that word again, discombobulate your life, okay? <laughs> that take joy away, that sap energy from you. Because those are also the things that you want to avoid. And then you've got to prioritize structuring your life around those things that give you joy, that give you happiness, that help you to organize your day. You know, like you said, morning routines. If I don't get certain things done in the morning, it, it, it just messes with my day and with my thought process. I, and I have to have my mind settled before I can go forward and do other things. But you've got to know those things about yourself and pay attention to them and make them a priority. Even if it means you get up at four in the morning or whatever, I don't know. But you've got to make that a priority. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm laughing here, smiling because all of what you say, it, it really resonates. Like that has been my journey as well for self-awareness. I think that especially when I started my career, I was not self-aware at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I started to ask for feedback because that's what people told me I should do but I was not receptive to the feedback. So I was using the feedback to find excuses for what was coming on the feedback, right? And for me, one thing that is keen when it comes to personal growth and development is self-reflection. Sure. You know, it, it's, it's been amazing. And, and then I, I included things that in the past, um, I talked about this on a podcast where I talk about uh, mental health, but, um, there's been practices that I always saw as that's for someone else, not mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. like meditation or journaling. Mm -hmm. um, and I always look at like, okay, meditation is for monks and journaling is for someone else. And the amazing value that there is in, in, in journaling, because it helps you to connect with yourself mm -hmm. and ask you those tough questions and force mm -hmm. yourself to answer those questions. Because a lot of times, you know, when I thought about journaling, I thought it was, okay, I have a blank piece of paper, right? And I write what happened in my day. Like I would do a diary when I was a teenager. But when I talk about journaling, I'm talking about intentional prompts and questions that help you dig further into who you are and how things make you feel and how, you know, I, I we always talked about this, but we can't control what is happening around us. You know, Sorry. now we're in the middle of this pandemic. No one yeah. can control this pandemic, yes. but we can control how we react to it. Mm -hmm. And it's a self-discovery, right? I, I, I found myself when all this pandemic started, mm -hmm. um, I was starting to have signs of anxiety and I wasn't recognizing those because I was not connecting with myself. Mm -hmm. And journaling was one of those things that really helped me to put the, you know, the finger on the wound and say, okay, this is really what this is triggering. And I stop watching the news. That's, as a result right. That's, of it, right? Right. That's right. But if I don't, I'm not self-aware, then I can't do anything about it. So I, I love it. I, I love everything right. that you said. So, so, you know, speaking of reacting to the pandemic, I, I also, and I'll say, I have two memorable moments where my stress anxiety reached a, a level and and I was, I was saying to my husband one day, honey, I'm just feeling, and, and you know, the, the thoughts of, am I, am I having symptoms of COVID or whatever? And so I was explaining some, some symptoms to my husband one day, and he looked at me and said, I think you're just stressed. And I looked at him, I said, yeah, you're right, never mind, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, okay, 
go back to your secret place, you know, go back to your quiet place, get your mind together, focus on, you know, uh, dig in and understand what is stressing you right now and what you can do about it and what you cannot do about it and get your mind together and go forward. And literally my symptoms went away, you know, within an hour or so, okay? My symptoms went away, I calmed down, I began to, again, focus on what can I change? What can I control? Everything else that I can't, let me put it aside, okay? So part of it is, how do you, your comment on mental health, how do you stay, you know, mentally sane when maybe you, you know, you can't leave the house and go to the places that you would normally go or do what you would normally do or to get together with friends and colleagues in the ways that you would normally do it? And so the answer to that is different for everyone, but everybody has to find their answer, okay? So like for me, I get up every morning. I mean, you know, so this is my home office. In my consulting practice, I've always worked out of my home office, but I've always gone out to see clients face-to-face, -face, but I can't do that anymore. But I still, I get up every morning and I get dressed. Um, forget the fact that I may have shorts on from the waist down, but you know, from the waist up, I, I get professionally dressed. I put on makeup, I comb my hair, um, you know, I'm on a variety of Zoom meetings all day long. Um, I, I'll get out and I, since the weather is warm, uh, I'll get out and walk twice a day if I can. But these are things that I can control and these are things, oh, I started buying flowers at the grocery store, a small thing. But, but what I'm saying is I figured out for me what I needed to do to brighten my day, to brighten my life. Everybody has to figure out what that answer is for them and make sure you do it because it is a matter of mental health. Um, for people whose mental and emotional health is, you know, on edge in good times, it's especially dangerous right now. And then for people whose mental and emotional health is good in, you know, normal times, it can slide to a questionable area and there's no shame in it. We've just got to figure out what we can do about it. So... Yeah, I feel that mental health has always been, at least for me, a taboo, right? Because I've been very fortunate that I haven't had mm -hmm. challenges. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is imperative that we are proactive about our mental health, just like we are with our physical health, right? Like, that's um, right. It, it is, it's so critical. And it's part also of, it's foundational for us to be able to grow as a person, as a leader, if we are not mentally in a place where we are, we, we feel okay, it, it, we can't go and try to jump and do all these other things that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it, it, and once we take care of ourselves, so, you know, we all know when you get on the plane, uh, part of the safety instructions, you know, put on your mask before you help your partner, or your child with you put on their mask, okay? we have to put on our mask first. If we don't have our mask on, we can't help our teams, we can't help our organizations, we can't help our families if our mental and emotional health is not in place. So we've got to make that a priority. And again, like you said, self-awareness, self-reflection, all of that is important in getting that together. Oh my God, I wish we could continue to talk yeah. for hours because this is so inspiring. And like every time that I talk to you, um, I am, as I said, so grateful that I have you here in the, in the podcast.
I'm glad and to be. I can't wait to read your book. So before we close, um, one last question for you. Is there sure. anything about your book that people should know before they even buy it um, that you want to share? Oh, that's a good question. I would say, here, here's, here's one of my sayings. If you want to transition to the next level of leadership, you need to transform your leadership. And I'll repeat that. If you want to transition to the next level of leadership, you need to transform your leadership. And I believe that this book will transform you. Oh my God, that's so good. I'm stealing that quote. Great, great. It's great. So as I said, we are pre-recording this. So when the people are listening to us, your book will be out. It will be out. Available. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am too. And I will put the link to both of your books on the description of this episode. So please, everyone, go grab a copy. This is a book that you have to have. You have to read. And I'm, again, so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to you, Priscilla. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me. I can't wait to see you again. Hopefully soon we can see each other yes. outside of a screen and give you That's a big right. hug. That's but right. in the meantime, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.